to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. When I look back on our entire relationship, it feels like almost like a whole other dimension of the world because it was just so, so mind blowing and so many things happened that should just never happen to anybody. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today's episode is one of the most disturbing I've ever recorded. Darcy was in a relationship with a sex addict. But it's much more than that. His fantasies became wildly depraved and non-consensual. Please be warned, this episode describes rape and sexual violence in graphic detail, as well as domestic violence and coercive control. It's not for everyone. In fact, some of Darcy's story was just too horrific to put on there for the deep. There is an uncut version. For those who want to hear it, the full unedited story is available now on the deeper subscription. But I do warn you, it's horrific and it is a lot. Darcy, welcome to The Deep. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you have a very interesting story. Can we talk about when you met your ex-love? We first became aware of each other, I suppose, in my uh, last year in high school. So we were quite young, Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't actually properly meet I suppose until the following year and I actually was in a relationship with a good friend of his it was very very brief and when that ended Stephen and I um, continued on in a friendship capacity for probably about six months Mm -hmm. and then that ultimately just ended up um, turning into a relationship and he was just like the sweetest guy he was a real gentleman he was funny he was really charming just I don't know when you're that age everything you look for in a love so yeah so we're talking like late teens early 20s uh yeah I think I was 19 when we got into a relationship and was it would you say normal like compared to your other relationships did it feel safe did it feel normal at the start, 100%. I remember making a comment to my mum about like, oh, this is the most like, I feel like a growing up in this relationship. We're not dependent on each other. We both have our own lives. But when we connect together, it's really beautiful. So it was definitely like that at the start, but kind of developed from that into something just a bit more sinister, I suppose, as the relationship went on. Okay, well, let's get into it. Yeah. We are going to be discussing sex addiction today. So I want to go directly into your intimate life and how that was to begin with. Was that a loving, gentle experience? Yeah, probably to start with, it it was relatively 
normal in terms of the sex itself, but there was a lot of it. Like it wasn't uncommon for us to have sex four or five times a night, <gasps> I think. I know. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, even for early days, that's a lot. That that could that could uh, yeah. affect the, the vagina pH balance, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think like the most that we got to in one night was was seven times. <gasps> and wow. oftentimes it was to the point that I was like swollen and really sore in that area and he would still be looking at me like, Are we gonna go again? <laughs> and so he had yeah, stamina. So, he had a lot of stamina and he could yeah. repeatedly turn up to yeah. perform. Yep, with absolutely no problem. And it was usually me that would bow out and be like, nah, man, I'm done. Like, I'm <laughs> out. At that time, did you enjoy the sex? Apart from being a bit swollen and sore, were you having a good time? Yeah, for the most part. But like, honestly, by the time you get into having sex like three or four times in the, in the same night, you're just a bit over it right yeah like the sex itself was fine but it was a little bit too much for me but I was young and we were in love and it was the honeymoon period and you know all of that kind of contributing factor for sure for sure okay so and I mean I think lots of young people can resonate that when you meet someone not even young people any age when you meet someone and it's a bit hot and heavy at the start those things can happen I mean seven times is a lot but like there can be multiple moments throughout the day that you have sex so okay we kind of see that as normal what happens when is the first moment you go something in my gut feels a little bit off here um we were probably about maybe six or so months into our relationship and we were just fast asleep one night and then all of a sudden in his sleep he just like picked me up like flipped me on my back and started just what I would effectively call raping me and I was like trying to stop it obviously and like screaming at him his name and he just wasn't listening to me and then he it lasted only kind of a couple of minutes and then he just lay back on his back and then kind of woke up and I say that in inverted commons and I was like what the hell man and he was like what are you talking about I was just asleep and I was like no you weren't and told him what happened and he lashed out and went kind of crazy And then he was like, oh, I know what it was. I was having a dream that I was possessed. So I think that I got possessed and I raped you when I was possessed. And I was like, well, that's just kind of fucked up. That doesn't even, like, how does that even happen? But he just totally refuted that he had anything to do with it. I have heard of this. I don't know what it is Mm. called, but I have heard of men Mm. having sex in their sleep and not remembering it. I have heard of that. Is that, do you think that he has that condition or do you think he was like felt really bad and then was blaming it on this condition? No, I I don't believe it is the condition. I believe he was totally coherent when it was happening. I believe it was him, but that this was a way of like excusing it as like, oh, but it wasn't me. It was, it was this like, he described it as a demon that had like possessed him and taken him over in a dream that 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 played out into reality yes yeah exactly so I don't believe 
I like I believe that there is that condition and some men have it I don't believe that that is what Stephen experienced did you feel really unsafe in that moment a hundred percent yeah were you scared yes definitely did you say no a hundred percent did he continue yes so that is rape without a doubt you can't call it anything else. So sexual assault mm-hmm. is now interwoven into this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And then like that, so those events in the middle of the night happen, I don't know, maybe once a week over like a six-month month period. And he then, like while he was in those moments, would then use those moments to inflict violence on me as well. But then again, excuse it as this demon that had possessed him like this every week when you stopped him and you're like Stephen it's happening again stop Stephen would Mm. he come to and then be like oh my god sorry 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 or would he finish off the moment go back to sleep and then wake up and go it really varied like sometimes he would just stop right then and there but it was never he never ever ever woke up and said oh my god I'm so sorry he woke up and said how can you say I was doing that? I was just lying here, having my sleep. Why are you making this up? Like there wasn't any acknowledgement that it was happening. It was just me making it up, right? So I'm thinking after a period of time, this is going on consistently. You're like, holy shit, when is this thing going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are you still intimate because obviously he he likes having sex multiple times. Are you still intimate during the week that it is consensual? Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a mix here. Yep. Is it still a heightened level of um, sex through the day? Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Again, just like by now we were living together and so we probably weren't having sex every day, like every night, but most nights and still multiple times in one night. Okay. Okay. So this sleep situation continues. Does he um, have any other sexual outlets like porn or ways in which he can meet his needs without impacting you? Not at this stage. It does, um, as we talk on, it does develop. But at this stage, it's really just the sex between him and I. That's his outlet. So tell me the next stage, which makes you think something's not right with this guy's libido. I guess for me, it it, it wasn't so much like the libido stuff carried on for, for our entire relationship. That part was always there. It was more the fetishist, like the, the things that he found to outlet this um, or to try and find satisfaction. And that's kind of what I learned in later years when I found out about what a sex addiction can actually be, is that it's it's almost like he was constantly trying to find the next thing to to fulfill the need. And so I believe it started as just sex and a lot of it. And then this kind of violent sex that he could blame on a demon came into it. And then mm. that stopped when the next fetish came in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was yeah. overlapped by the next level or the next layer. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Yeah. So then that the next layer was he became like absolutely infatuated with, with a, 
a massive collection of sex toys. He was just coming home or ordering online sex toys left, right and centre. And they were all for me, lucky Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I guess the thing that concerned me about this layer of it was that although he sold it as like, oh, I've bought you this and we can have fun with it and we can explore and whatever, there was actually never any consideration for me in that. Did I want it? Did I I want to explore, you know, playing with toys or, or whatever it was? It was all about him and what he wanted and I guess as well I need to probably um explain like there's another layer of our relationship which isn't the focus of our talk today but we're talking about a relationship that um is kind of deeply um affected I suppose by like violence manipulation control like literally every aspect of my life where I went who I saw what I wore the food I ate everything in my life was controlled by him and he used that to make me do what he wanted in terms of the sex stuff I can really relate to that I can really relate to that because we're now talking domestic violence yeah and we're talking coercion manipulation abuse on every level yeah so thank you for bringing that up now so now we're not just in a sexually manipulative um, relationship we are also in domestic violence hell yeah totally totally I'm glad you know what I mean but I just yeah I kind of to to people listening I want them to understand that this isn't just yeah a A normal normal relationship yeah yeah yeah. and two people doing these really crazy things together like it does end up going down quite a dark path and I just want people to understand that for me it was a constant battle of do I just go along with this how bad is it just to do it or do I really stand up to him and then face the consequences that come along with that so even though that side isn't the focus of the conversation today I want people to understand that there was that in the background as well and can I just ask you because we didn't actually go into it when the demon sex sleep rape episodes were happening and you said it would get violent Mm -hmm. in what ways was he um harming you so the first the first time he actually that was how the domestic violence in our relationship actually started so he almost tested the waters in that kind of demon phase of his sleep mm. and so the first time he was violent with me i had um like worked really hard to push him off me like mid rape and he just grabbed me by the throat and just slammed me into the wall and was just like choking me then from there it was just like if I didn't just kind of lie there and take it, then it was like punching, kicking, um, pushing me off the bed or into the wall or whatever, like just that kind of stuff, which he then, because I had not tolerated it, but because it had happened in those like demon possessive moments and I hadn't left him, he then knew that he could bring that into our relationship directly from him and I still wouldn't walk away. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely do. Okay, thank you. That does clarify it. So let us now return back to the next layer. So, yeah, so there was the sex toys and all the things he was um, bringing home and buying online and all that kind of stuff. And one day this lovely metal speculum turns up. Oh, my God. That is what you get when you get a pap smear, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the point of that? Um, to encourage the vagina to stretch. Yeah. So at this stage of our relationship, I was working. I've always worked in kind of corporate jobs, always taken my job and my career really seriously. He at this point was kind of in between jobs, just kind of lounging around home all day. And when I was at work, he would just spam my phone all day, like 50 plus images a day of these women with these, no other way to describe it, but big gaping vaginas. And he's like, this is what I want. And I'm like, you are absolutely not doing that to me, mate. That is not happening. How confronting as well, you know, when you're at work at your desk and you're getting these images. It's, it's, it's also terrifying to know that you have to go home and potentially deal with that or there's a consequence. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was, it was bad. I laughed when you said that I'm not laughing. It's just, no, yeah, I've done of, it. It's very yeah. uncomfortable and it's very, yeah. we're talking, when we talk about something like a gaping vagina, that feels, there's two sides of that. It's funny and humorous to people that don't know the impact of the pressure of someone wanting to do those things to you. And the other side is like, wow, we're really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. where is this story going to go? You know? Yeah. So I actually, I honor your laughter and we understand in the deep that that can be protecting ourselves yeah thank you yeah so then um this we start exploring with this lovely metal speculum which is not lovely at all it's actually very painful but that like I was saying before it just doesn't matter to him he doesn't care because for him his need is being met his um that desire is just on fire I suppose so he doesn't care about what's happening around him Mm. um and so then it moved really from the the speculum to he started wanting to do like explore with household objects and I'm like nah that like this is just weird can't we just go back to our like normal little old vanilla sex like that was so much better but no we end up exploring with yeah kind of household objects and I, I had so many conversations with him at the time about like this, Stephen, this isn't normal. This isn't, this is not normal things for normal people to do. And he always, always came back with, but there's porn on it. And I'm like, that doesn't make it normal. Yes, it does, because it means that other people like it too. Okay, there's fetishes for sure, and there is like really niche fetishes, which sounds like what he's going through. That doesn't mean it transcends into real life. You know, it's like a Hollywood blockbuster where you see someone with superpowers. It's a, a very unrealistic thing, and and just for you, day to day. Yeah, it was awful. Take me to the next layer. So then he became really obsessed with it. I'm going to say this word wrong, but asphyxiation, like deprivation of oxygen. Yeah, asphyxiation. Yes. Yeah. So where you get, um, you strangle someone to the point of almost passing out. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah. So that was became a regular feature in our sex life. And for you or I, for him, like he would he would choke me while we were having God. sex. I can't remember if it was three or four times that he actually choked me to the point of actually passing out and every single time when I came to he was still going at it hard and that always freaked me out do you mean 
penetrating? Yes, yeah. So he would start it, he'd be penetrating me, he would, um, yeah, like grab onto my neck and and start the choking. I would pass out, wake up, and he's still just there inside me. Like, so there is something now with women that are passed out or dead? Yeah, well, that's what I was like. I was like, how how can you, I'm not, I'm not even there, I'm not even responding to you or giving you anything, so how can you enjoy that? It, it didn't make sense to me. Okay. Okay. So now we're at asphyxiation. I mean, I don't know how much further we can, we go with this, but you're saying there's more. I am saying there's more. I guess it's important to note as well is that most of this, it's not like the first phase stops and this second phase and stew. So yes, it overlaps. All kind of adds on. So then he became really obsessed. I don't know if you've ever heard of the term hot wife. I certainly hadn't. Hot wife? Yes. I did a confessions on my Instagram and someone said, I'm into hot wife. And then I think I said, what is this? And then people were saying, tell me if I'm wrong, where you watch people have sex with your wife? Yeah, pretty much. And and I guess from Stephen's perspective, it was about having a wife who, or a partner for him, really embraced her in a slut, I suppose. That's kind of the nicest way I can describe it. And so he found all these people on, I think it was Tumblr, who were hot wives. And again, the like spamming of me at work started. So like 50 plus photos a day of these like hot wife challenges, he called them. So there was like stupid stuff like when it's raining, wear a white t-shirt with no bra and go for a walk down your street. Or like dress up super slutty and then go and sit in a bar and wait for someone to come and pick you up and then go home and have sex with them. But your partner is also sitting in the bar watching, watching that process happen. So it's, so now you have been giving tasks to play out something for him. Is that what you're saying? Whether you want to be a part of that or not. Yeah. hundred percent. This during this period of our time, our relationship was a hundred percent at its worst because people who know me will tell you that I am as loyal as a puppy dog and I have always seen myself as like having one person that I am dedicated to so mm-hmm. the idea of like open relationships one night stands that kind of stuff has never personally appealed to me it's not stuff that I've explored with a lot Mm. And it makes sense. Like he's picked the girl that won't leave. You know, he's picked the girl that will commit and go through hell for him. Yeah, exactly. And so when he started bringing up this idea of like, oh, I want you to like go to a bar and pick up a guy. I'm like, one, this sounds like bad news. Who the hang am I? Like if I'm dressed like that and Mm. I I know it's 2022 and I probably shouldn't say this but if I'm dressed like that to go and sit in a bar I'm not going to pick up some like nice respectful man who's gonna you know treat me really well I don't that's my personal view I don't feel that is attracting the male energy that I would ideally like in my life absolutely and so I at this point, really strongly resisted against that side of things. Did he force you to do it? No. So I, we never actually ended up getting to the point of um, me 
having a sexual relationship with another guy he did put tinder on my phone and would go on it and like match with people and then he would check my phone every night to see if I was talking to people and I wasn't so I always got in trouble for that so it's like a trick yeah totally so when hot wife and asphyxiation and demon rape and gaping vagina and all of these things are happening yeah are we at the point yet that you're like, Mm-mm. like, I, I feel like in your gut, you know, but is there a point where you're like, how much further can we go and how much more can I take? Yeah, we're nearly there. We've got uh, three more, well, t- oh my two gosh. more stages that we live through. So luckily for me, very quickly, the hot wife stuff morphed into hot husband I don't know if that's the official term for it but that's the term that he used he loved like getting pegged he um by you or was he seeing sex workers no 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 by me okay sure yeah I mean like he he always had other girls on the side that he was exploring with that's you know a whole nother story but let's get to um, that we'll get to that so then um and he enjoyed I've always been a big lover of um lingerie I can't look at the stuff now I'm like way too traumatized by it but always when I was with him I always had like matching underwear sets and like sexy lingerie I loved it and so then he started to he wanted to wear that and he wanted me to put makeup on him while you know as part of our like sexual intimacy so he's wearing your lingerie now yes yeah that's and his and you're putting makeup on him and you're pegging him yep okay just getting, just getting clear. I mean, you know, there's different tastes for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. It's just understanding for him, it feels like um, there's no, like, theme. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, yeah. it feels like it's everywhere and yeah, everything. absolutely. Yeah, and, like, that's what I was saying before about there's just, like, almost like this tank that he needs to get filled, but no matter what we do, he just can't fill it's it. It's insatiable. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to find the next thing to try and fill the tank, but it doesn't work. Did any part of this stage, a hot hot husband stage, entice you? Like when you were fucking him with a dildo, did you feel like you got some power back or were you just like, this is not for me? It's just not for me. I totally understand that everyone has different um, sexual desires, different fantasies, all of that kind of thing. I like to think of myself as a pretty open-minded person, Mm -hmm. but for me, it just, it brought me no arousal. It It just was nothing for me. Yes. Yes. For me personally, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but for me personally, I I found it really weird looking down at a man dressed up as a female with makeup on and me putting a dildo on his bum. It just for me, it was just it, it, that's why I said before bizarre, right? Because for okay. me, that's how I feel. And I guess something that hadn't um, been a tickling your fancy. That's not not something yeah. you wanted to explore. So we're back at him. Okay. So what other hot husband? Uh, scenarios took place that so the next thing is like that my absolute favorite thing to happen he comes home one day with this chastity cage chastity cage as in like you lock your pussy your dick up yeah that's right so it was for him and so like it was my favorite stage because I could lock his penis up and have a break for a couple of days it was brilliant Yeah, yeah yeah I bet it was great I'm just thinking of all the money he's spending on all of these knickknacks. I know, right? Wow. Okay, yeah, please, please continue. 
Um, and so then in this kind of hot husband stage, that's when he became, like he was always really interested in me having sex with other men, but it really upped the ante in this stage. And then like we're, we're nearly at the, um, at the breaking point, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess as well, like the other thing is, is that with the me having sex with other men, he became really, really fascinated with the whole concept of like a gangbang. <sighs> and he would send me videos all the time of these women in these gangbangs. And I'm just like, that. it just doesn't appeal to me. I don't want to, like, if you're into that, whatever. But like you say before, like you were saying before, like, it's one thing to watch some porn in it. But yes. then to try and translate it into real life is just doesn't feel comfortable. You didn't do it. Well, oh, God, no. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Absolutely not. He did claim once that he had booked me in for a gangbang and he gave me these details of where I had to go this one weekend and I didn't go and he was really furious with me whether it actually was anything or not I don't know because I obviously didn't show up but yeah I'm yeah not sure when and how do you realize that this is beyond recovery beyond repair anything you just cannot be with this human anymore I don't know that it was a single moment I think it just got too much I think I just thought this doesn't end well and like by this point I had no friends he'd segregated me from all of my friends he'd segregated me from another sibling of mine because he didn't like that sibling and he had damaged the relationship with me and my mum had done so much damage already and I just thought that that sister is the last person I have I cannot do this anymore and so I said to him when I sat him down and I said to him I I can't do this anymore this this relationship we're, we're done and he just said, no, we're not. And that was awful because I didn't feel that I had anywhere to go. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to exit. You've also got to bear in mind that I kept all of this so close to my chest. Nobody knew what was going on in our relationship behind closed doors. No one. Yeah. I, I, re- I didn't know what to do. I, re- I really didn't. What do you do? So I went back to, my tinder and went back to the people that he had matched me with and because at the same time he had he now had a tinder and he had this girl that he that he was seeing so hang on hang on wait so you knew yeah what part of the relationship was this um this kind of was the hot husband hot wife kind of stage that that started okay so he started then cheating on you with other women yeah and you knew yep and then one night when he went to this I'm going to call her his his girlfriend because that's really what she was. He went to his girlfriend's house and I went back to my Tinder and looked at some of the profiles of the guys that he had matched me with. And I started talking to one of them. And so every single time that he would go off with his girlfriend, I would come back onto Tinder and message this guy. Uh And so that process went for like, I think that was four months. And then eventually I, I don't know, I don't know what it was, like nothing. He he was actually in hospital, to be honest, with yet another 
injury. He was constantly injured, constantly in hospital and stuff. And I was just sitting at his bedside and I just thought, I can't, I can't do this. This is, this is the rest of my life. Right. Mm. And I have to get out. And so I went home and this is going to sound so brutal to a lot of people. I went home when he was in hospital and I messaged this guy and I said, I'm free to catch up tonight if you want to. And this guy lived in another city. And I told myself that I would hop in the shower and if I got out and the guy had replied, I would take a leap of faith and and use that opportunity to exit my relationship with Stephen. Are you saying you messaging a guy when he was in hospital is brutal? Uh, like I'm saying, going like because I ended up meeting up with the guy. No, babe. You no, 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 no. That's not the brutal bit. The brutal bit is this motherfucker de- depraving, shaming. Like he, there's nothing about about you messaging someone when he's in a hospital bed for your get out plan. There is nothing brutal about that. And I know that when we have trauma and we're living in that and we still frame it like people are going to judge. No, that is you are surviving and you are trying to find a way out. So I just want to really like honor that and say that to you now, because there's nothing brutal about you protecting yourself and finding, finding a way to leave this hell hole. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, so I hopped in the shower and just said to myself, if I, if I come out and this guy has replied, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to use this as my, my scapegoat. I got out of the shower and this guy had replied. So I hopped in my car. I went to see him and like hand on my heart, nothing happened between us that night. He, um, babe, you still don't have to tell me. <laughs> like you could have run away. You could have done whatever you wanted. Like you could have had free choice, and no one here is judging you. I promise you that. Nobody. Thank you. Yeah. So um, he picked me up in my car, and we just drove to this little spot and just sat on the park bench talking. And it, for the first time in five years or whatever it was. I, I just actually felt like me and I felt really uh, just really comfortable and free actually is probably the word that I would use to describe it. And so I came home. Um, Stephen must have got out of hospital. I think it was the next day. And I said to her, I told him what had happened and I said to him, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't want it. Um, and I want to explore like, my potential relationship or whatever with with this guy and he totally lashed out isn't that ironic the guy who had been like begging me to have sex with other people it's so predictable of course because you know what he's not lashing out because of the guy he's lashing Mm. out because he's losing his pet you know totally he's he's losing his sex toy he's losing Mm. his power what happened he was very violent and um, he, again, was just like, you can't break up with me. A breakup is mutual, he said to me. A breakup is decided between two people and if one person still wants the relationship, then the relationship isn't over. And I just remember thinking, you're so delusional. Like, you just, that is not at all how a breakup works. But anyway, so then it came to the weekend and I said to him, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going back to see this guy and I want you gone by the time I got home. 
And so I went back up to see the sky and the whole entire weekend, Stephen just absolutely bombed my phone, just like calling me hundreds of times, texting me. And he was like, he knew where I was. I think he might've been like tracking me on my phone because then he was like screenshotting my location to me so that he, you know, I know where you are. Of course. And I remember one night as well, he texted me the exact address I was at and he said, you're in the back bedroom on the second floor and I know (gasps) that because I can see you. And so that process carried on for probably about two months of me every single weekend just saying to him, "I'm, I'm going, I'm leaving. And then eventually, hallelujah, one day I came home and he was gone. Thank God. But then I had a whole lot of damage to repair because I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a a quote. It goes around on social media every few years and it says something about when a toxic person can no longer control you, they'll start to control the way that others see you. And so what he, he did exactly that. So he went to all of my family, my best friend who I hadn't seen in years anyway because of him and just basically spun this whole lie that um, I had just gone out and cheated on him. Totally of neglected yeah, all yeah, of the yeah, other yeah. detail that had yeah, happened. I know. And course. so suddenly I had this big mess to clean up. And so I had to go to all of these people in my life, my mum, my siblings, mm-hmm. my best friend, and confess some really hard stuff and I think one of the hardest things was that I was one scared that these people weren't going to believe me and two that these people would just totally reject me because of what I had to tell them because to kind of give the context I had to kind of go into a lot of what had happened in our relationship and as you have just heard a lot of that is really messed up stuff yeah and I was really scared that these people would associate that with me and that they would never be able to look at me again and so that was really it was tough there were a lot of really really tough conversations in that time but I did um I did end up repairing those relationships and funnily enough the guy that I used as my scapegoat and I ended up, he didn't know what was happening at the time, but I did end up telling him everything I had to, because he was wondering why my phone was going absolutely psycho yes, every single yes, week. Yes. Um, and he's now my husband and we have a baby together. So. <laughs> oh, he's so beautiful. He saved you. Not really. I mean, you saved yourself, but he healed, I'm sure so much yeah. of you. Yeah. And he, he knows everything that happened in that relationship and he's never he's never judged me or, you know, kind of made me feel, even though at times I feel really like dirty and tarnished by some of the stuff that happened, he's, he's never made me feel like that, which is nice. God, so, so he was the guy that you met up with. Yeah, just the random. That's the most, I mean, that's just, I love, that's the universe, like placing mm. you this little guardian angel. Yeah, 100%. can I ask you now Mm. how is your body like how is your soul how do you feel about this trauma where does it still live have you had help to move it on have you seen a therapist or a counselor 
I tried uh, after Stephen and I separated. I um, I went through a really bad patch of um, depression, anxiety. It was really, really bad. And because the other layer to that is that um, he harassed me for about 18 months after we separated. And so there was all of that stuff going on as well. And so I try, I reached out to one therapist, which was pretty ballsy. And well, I, it felt pretty ballsy. And she just replied and said, I don't have capacity for new clients. And that kind of just, I, I just couldn't after that, you know, I, I tried to it open up that spirit. one time and I yeah. was just like, I can't do it. So I've never had any therapy or anything for it. And, you know, for the most part, I'm okay. My, um, my baby coming into the world has been really, really healing for me. He's, he's two now. And, um, so I think he's been a, a massive healer of my soul, but, um, yeah, I do still carry guilt, shame, um, and and definitely trauma from from mm. the things that happen and there's there's things that like my my new sex life just to go there is is very uh, I would call it very typical kind of a sex life but there's still things in our sex life that I still really really struggle with because of the things that happened in my Absolutely. relationship with Stephen. What are some of those things that are hard to overcome now? One of the things that I really struggle with is oral sex Mm -hmm. Um, just because I was forced to give it um, in a very kind of violent way, like, yeah. Aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like holding my head, head, like ramming it in until I was like literally vomiting on his penis. Yes. And so I, I definitely struggle with that side of our, um, with our sex life. And I guess as well, I have, I'm extremely vanilla now. I have no interest whatsoever in experimenting with anything, not sex toys. Like I was saying before, lingerie, I just find totally traumatizing now. And I think it's just because of that. It was just too much in in that relationship with Stephen. And I just, yeah, I just can't. I just can't. Can you enjoy sex with your partner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely and intimacy can, yeah. and and love. Yeah. You can accept those things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just kind of the next layer that I can't do. Is he okay with that? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. He's yeah, a gen- a real gentleman, a, a true gentleman. Wow, just a fascinating, incredible story that you know if we walked past you on the street we would just never know Mm. what's going on behind closed doors do you ever um see Stephen or know what he's doing has he moved his trauma to a new person do you know anything I know that he is in a relationship with the girl that he was like the, the, the last girl yeah so he he moved straight in with her I know that not insinuating anything, but I know that they have a male dog. I know that he, um, I know that one night he choked her until she passed out. So he is still playing out parts of these things, but you don't know. Obviously, you'll never know the extent of that. Yeah, I'll never know the extent, but yeah, I, I know that they, they, he's do not have reformed. A... He's not no. changed. He's, no. Oh, you have just been so incredibly brave and generous sharing this with us. I applaud you for reaching out. I hope you feel safe here in this community. Yeah, I do. 
Our final question, who are you when no one's watching? I like to be alone. I, I really enjoy that space to myself. I love, um, I love to read and just, yeah, enjoy quiet time on my own. I obviously, like I was saying before, I still have a lot of trauma and I think my trauma sits heaviest with me when I'm on my own. So as much as I love being on my own, I sometimes do avoid it. But I guess the, the biggest thing about me on my own, when I'm on my own is that I have this, I guess, deep, deep worry about how I can raise my son to be the kind of person that um, uplifts women instead of traumatizing them because I would hate it if my son ever did even half of this stuff to another woman or a man if that's the path that he went down you know I hope that I can assure you that you will I think but just by default even if you didn't focus on it which I know you will I can just reassure you that you're going to have a beautiful boy and also maybe one day maybe when he's a grown up, you might not share that complete detail, but he might be able to hear something that happened that was impactful for his mum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But I hear that. I really hear how hard it could be raising a son. It it is a bit of a mirror, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really thank you. That was just an incredibly brave conversation. So thank you so much for being on the deep today. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at what's the deep. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.